Hi, I'm Jamie Ranta. I'm the producer of If I Can't Have Love, I Want Power. And this is the Go Creative Show. Hello and welcome to the Go Creative Show, a podcast for filmmakers. My name is Ben Consoli, and today we speak with Jamie Ranta, producer of Halsey's If I Can't Have Love, I Want Power. Jamie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. We are so happy to have you because it's so rare that we have producers on the show to begin with. And there's so much to learn about what the role of a producer is, because a lot of people just simply don't know. They're like these mystery people off in the wings, doing things, making things happen. And I think a lot of people just don't know what your responsibilities are and what you're doing. And I'm sure it's quite a lot. So we're going to get to all of that. Um, but before we get there, I just want to mention our sponsor for today's episode, MZ Empowering Filmmakers. And of course, follow us on your favorite podcast app, as well as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. All things Go Creative Show at gocreativeshow.com. So just like I said at the top of the show, I think what I'm excited about most in this conversation is to talk about the role of a producer. Now, you're here today because you produced Halsey's latest long-form music video, an hour-long film for If I Can't Have Love, I Want Power, which is just such an awesome album anyway. I absolutely loved it. Um, I'm a huge Nine Inch Nails fan. So, you know, hey. <laughs> having having uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Rocks produce that album. Um, but what a fun project. I mean, have you worked on something long-form like this before? I have worked on something long form before, but I don't think there's anything like this, to be honest with you, that I've even seen before. Um, it's such a unique yeah. piece and a unique experience, and I don't think you can really quite fit this film into um, any specific genre. Well, how do you describe it? Like for you know, for people that aren't familiar with the album, that aren't familiar with Halsey at all, what, what how would you describe this project? Well, this project is. I'll just give it a bit more like general strokes because I don't want to get into the details of yeah. it. But this project is mm -hmm. kind of a very um, emotional piece that takes you on a journey of horror and drama and anger and love and all at the same time. So it's a it's a very emotional ride of of experiencing the duality of of anger and, 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 um, betrayal and hurt and pain and love and kindness and gentleness all at once. And it's, it's a very strong, like feminine, um, presence and cinematically it's, um, it's kind of like, uh, a period piece. It's kind of like a horror film. It's kind of like a fashion film. It's kind of like, a music video. It, it's it, there's so much depth uh, to what we shot. I'm I'm honestly I don't quite know how to put my finger on describing it yet. I'm still working on that. Well, <laughs> and I think you did a good job because it really does it does all of those things. And for those of you guys that haven't seen it yet, it is available now on HBO Max. Up to this point, I think yesterday was the release day on HBO Max. It was in theaters only, and it was IMAX which was kind of an interesting choice. And I, I'm, I'm curious how you came to the decision that IMAX was the way to go for this film. Well, actually, um, Anthony, who is uh, Halsey's manager and myself, were like, 
what would be really cool. He had a connection. He was like, what do you guys think about, you know, somehow partnering with IMAX for the sake of like shooting on IMAX camera. And maybe we can do like, um, like the premiere there. And I was like, I think that's incredible. And then it turned into like, why don't we make this much bigger than what we're thinking? Why don't we make this like an IMAX release? And so we spoke with Jason over at IMAX and talked, you know, from both a filmmaker standpoint of what that might look like, as well as, um, an artist standpoint, um, you know, I don't know that an artist has done something as, as grand and as powerful as an IMAX release. And, you know, having an, an album become, um, a, f- a film and released in theaters, uh, and have ticket sales. is just like wild. The whole way that this thing kind of unfolded and got distributed is so unique that you almost think to yourself, like, how did this happen? And it's interesting to hear that it sort of evolved and it got bigger and bigger and bigger um, as you were diving into it. But I immediately, you know, I see this and I think hour long music video and I'm saying this has got to be expensive. Like someone has to pay. I mean, usually, I mean, a label is certainly going to pay for a video. Well, maybe not even certainly, but a new, uh, you know, a label may pay for one video, two videos. If you've got big, massive hits, maybe it keeps going. But to commit at the beginning to an hour long film is take some yeah. courage. Yes. Certainly. It, there was, there were quite a few conversations over the course of a few months before we actually started to like get the green light on the project. So it started out like, should we do eight music videos, just the whole album? And then should we make it like a story? And no, let's not do music videos. Let's do a proper film. And should she sing in it? Absolutely not. This is a film. This isn't a music video. So it's it has like, you know, those elements, but it's very much not a music video. Um, you know, some artists have done like album videos where like videos will trail into one or another, like Beyonce's Lemonade or something. This is a very different approach um altogether. Um and I I think that the people over at Capitol Records had to have a lot of courage to take that, you know, risk because that's something, you know, they're like, okay, how are we gonna market this? How's this gonna work out? And, you know, what is our risk? Um, how much are we willing to invest in a project like this? And, you know, it was just kind of like a mix of you know, the label communicating, the management team communicating, and myself and director Colin kind of really packaging this idea together and IMAX, of course, um, being involved. And um, I do have to give props to Anthony, who is her uh, manager for his brilliant mind and, and, and Halsey herself for just being so hands-on in every aspect, creatively, every conversation, that has to do with the film, the marketing, um, the designers that are, are, you know, involved and brought to the piece in terms of like wardrobe makeup. She personally did her own makeup. Um, and it's incredible. Like she did even, even the special effects makeup, everything. And she mostly used her own makeup line, which is like, you know, a great plug, <laughs> but that wasn't, but that wasn't exactly. her intention. Her intention was like, I made this makeup line because it's incredible. And I want to have makeup like this to create artistic expressions like this, you know, with vibrant colors and, and textures. So uh, she's definitely an incredible artist was very hands-on visually, creatively wrote the, the film 
and then Colin, next level director. Um, the shots, the, director, the yeah. shots that we sat down with Colin and Elias, the cinematographer, and myself every single day, um, and going through the scene for weeks, every single month, uh, every single day, shot for shot, talking about how to design the shots and and why we should design them that way and what it might look like and. Then the schedule was a whole thing. You know, we shot during, you know, in, in a COVID lockdown in um, Prague. Um, and that was a challenge in and of itself and the schedule and, and yeah. some of the challenges that we faced, you know, Halsey was pregnant during the filming of this. And that is, you know, a very sensitive thing. We have to be mindful of her health at all times and the hours that she's on set and the hours that the crew's on set and COVID testing and the stunts and making sure we have, you know, all of the elements and safety precautions in play. So that was definitely a challenge that I'm so grateful for the team and what we were able to pull off and how safe everybody was and how diligent and kind everybody was and creative and collaborative. It really felt like a family after we were finished. And there was like about a week afterwards where everyone was just kind of like, okay, um, now what are we going back to normal life? You know, <laughs> what do we do now? Exactly. Well, I want to talk about that collaboration, especially in the creative realm, because I'm curious and I'm sure people in the audience are too. As producer, how involved in the creative are you in something like this? I don't know how other producers are or how involved other people are, but in terms of my um, collaboration, I'm, I was very much involved with casting, very much involved with styling. I personally helped put for the background, not for, for Halsey. She was all hands-on on her own styling with her stylist, Law Roach. But in terms of like the background yeah. and the costume design, myself and... Um, the production or the, um, the stylist, the head stylist, we spent, you know, several days going through back and forth with different looks and making sure, you know, with the different characters and making sure, okay. And talking about their characters and does this look like something this person would wear and where they're going to be placed in the frame and what's their role and, and then taking photos and then adjusting it and then making sure it's it looks great next to and that Halsey's looks all stand out, but it's there's some cohesiveness because it's technically a period piece, but it has a lot of like modern elements and structure, textures, and also the conversation of knowing what Elias and Colin have discussed in terms of mood and lighting and um and how light and shadow and then the color palette for the production design. We're like, okay, so we need to make sure that. The wardrobe is contrasted in certain scenes and certain places, and let's place this person here or there. So I worked very closely with the stylist, the first AD, second AD on set. Um, even with a like, if something seemed a little bit off color wise, I'd be like, "Oh, switch that out," you know. Yeah, it sounds like you were pretty involved in the creative. Is that is that typical for you in your other projects too? Every other one, I feel like we are a really strong team. Um, at Boy in the Castle, and we definitely, yeah, company, with right? with Colin. Yeah, so we are a very strong team. Um, we've been working together for many, many years, so we kind of have like a sync of like I know Colin's taste and style, and I know how Elias shoots and his taste and style, and they know 
that I'm going to provide them with what they need. So there's a very strong trust there. And I generally, I, you know, like to help out with casting and styling. Um, and a lot of times they will like definitely make sure, obviously Colin is the director, so he's very much involved with everything, but, um, also like, you know, we'll all three sit down and have conversations about what that looks like texturally, you know, logistically, stylistically, and narratively. So we, I don't know if other people seem to get in that depth with the conversations, but we also spent a lot of time watching reference movies together. We, we basically, we lived together in an apartment for a month and a half. Um, and yeah. every day it was like, I'd come downstairs where the guys are and we'd have breakfast and we'd just go straight into the conversations and we'd watch reference movies and, you know, we just put things together like that. Now, as a producer on a project like this, this I, I understand there's some uniqueness to this because you were shooting during COVID, you were kind of living together in that time period. But can you speak to us in general and maybe just from your previous experiences as well about the role of a producer in music video, particularly? Um, I think there's a lot of people in the audience that don't necessarily know what a producer does or has like a vague idea of what it yeah. is that they do. <laughs> Um, and I'd like to just kind of almost answer those questions. It's not like we have a list of questions here, but I'm thinking like, what, what should young filmmakers know about what a producer does? I think the fundamental thing that a young creative should know is that your producer is the person that's going to make your idea happen and, and become a, mm. a tangible real life experience that you're going to film. So while, um, you know, a lot of creatives are excited about the creative process and, you know, what that looks like. It's the producer's job to take that concept and that idea and make it an actual reality within the logistics and the financial constraints of the budgets that are given and within their, um, you know, safe parameters of what they're trying to accomplish with that idea. And the producer is going to be the one that takes that concept or that treatment and breaks it down logistically and financially into an actual budget with um, a very detailed list of what's included in that budget, what's not included in that budget. So like, you're going to have a conversation with your producer, like whether you want, you know, you know, whether this shot requires driving shots, techno crane, um, steady cam, whatever the camera support might be. The producer needs to know all of that so that they can plan it accordingly. Um, the producer needs to know what location you're thinking, what textures you're wanting, what environment is it indoor, outdoor, day, night, all those little fine details, how many cast, um, what kind of extras, what kind of uh, wardrobe they're going to have, makeup they're going to have. The producer is going to be the one that gets all of those details out of the creative team or if it's very solidified, goes and makes sure that all of those things are accomplished within the parameters of, of, of the job. Um, and the producer will also set the bids um, and submit those over to the label or the commercial client or the studio, whatever it might be, submit a bid to mm -hmm. show the business teams exactly what they're getting for their dollar down to the line items. So it's, 
a project, a process that not a lot of people understand. And then the producer will hire their production team, production manager, coordinator, and their that team within that um, producer's um, oversight is going to hire the crew members. It's going to hire all of the vendors and making sure that that everything arrives to set, coordinate with the first AD to make sure that things are scheduled properly, coordinate with um, each department and what they're meeting their needs. A producer is the is like a a service to the creative. You are the person that is like uh, you're the like head of hospitality. You have to like have good energy. People are gonna like whatever is at the top, it, it trickles down. So people are gonna like look to you to solve problems. They're going to look to you to uh, guide them. They're going to look to you to um, encourage and support them. So you have to do all of those things. And when you get in a groove with your crews that, you know, it almost becomes family in the sense of like, you have like great trust, very good communication. All those things are super important. I think um, on a set, because, you know, what we do is kind of extraordinary and the things that we pull off and the situations that we're in is not, not normal day-to-day office things. So you kind of have to really depend and trust on each other and have, um, and that comes from the top. So I feel like that's the best way to describe like what a producer does. Also producer's job is to, um, abide by union rules, by California labor laws or New York labor laws or wherever you're at Prague the laws of other countries, <laughs> the laws of Prague in a pandemic. <laughs> um, yeah. The health department, like you also have to be highly educated in laws, rules, regulations. Um, you know, your production team, not your producer particularly, but your production team is going to be processing your paycheck and making sure that your, your hours are submitted correctly and making sure that you're getting paid on time and all those details it's all the responsibility um, of the production team underneath the producer. So it's quite a lot that... Um, it is. <laughs> and if you guys weren't making a list, it's basically everything. All the things. It's everything. Uh, and, and and it was so well said because I produce commercials here in Boston. So like, I totally feel that. I haven't gotten into music videos. just haven't had the opportunity, but mostly commercial work. And um, uh, a lot of events more recently, like... Um, you know, virtual events, corporate, like video, because they're not doing in-person things Mm -hmm. as much anymore. You're doing everything. And one of the hardest things to do, I think, as a producer, for me at least, and it's getting easier the more experience I get, is, is navigating those times where you have to sort of be honest with the creative team about the fact that they really can't do what they want. Like, if the budget doesn't allow what their vision is, and your job is to make their vision of reality. What are some strategies you use to kind of knock the sense into them and just give a dose of reality? So I never come to the table and say, sorry, I just can't do that. I, I'm going to come to the table with a solution and multiple solutions if I have the option and say, hey, this is our reality, but we can do A, B, or C. What do you think about those? And sometimes they're like, yeah, let's do that. And sometimes they're like, mm, no, we're going to do this instead. And I'm like, okay, we can do that too. You know, like it's just a conversation. It's it's not an easy conversation to have. Um, you know, nobody likes to tell, like to hear the, the word no, but that's part of being, a, you know, a respectable 
um, creative. You got to understand that you can't get everything that you want, you know, um, that's just how life goes. So it's, it's definitely a balance of being mindful, um, in the moment, making sure that you have options to present. That's how I handle it. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's really the way to go. I mean, you don't want to go to the table saying, no, you want to go to the table saying, let's try this. (laughs) Let's try something else, which I think is the right strategy. Let's take a quick moment and talk about MZ Empowering Filmmakers. Now, MZ is the sponsor of this episode, and we love them because you want to think about MZ as like the Netflix of filmmaking education. That's really what it is, because when you go to MZ, you're faced with hundreds of hours of high-quality, video-based filmmaking education that covers everything that we here at Go Creative Show want to know and want to learn more of. Directing, cinematography, post-production, visual storytelling, and so much more. And you can buy individual courses over at MZ, but what I suggest you do is become an MZ Pro member because when you do that, you get access to the entire library. And believe me, there is so much to learn on MZ. Best thing to do is go to gocreativeshow.com forward slash MZ. And when you buy either your individual course or your MZ Pro membership, be sure to use GCS. 20 in your um, discount code GCS20 for 20% off of your purchase. Now, let's talk about the content. Uh, and this is just a few of the newer courses on MZ, but Indie Film Blueprint is a course that's basically a roadmap for how to plan, shoot, and sell your first indie feature. Like, who doesn't want to know that? Of course, there's courses in editing DaVinci, editing in DaVinci Resolve. Now, everybody knows Resolve certainly as a, a coloring app, but A lot of people are editing in it, and you can learn all the advanced tips to make sure that you become a better editor in DaVinci Resolve. And one of my personal favorites, The Art and Technique of Film Editing by Tom Cross. Now, Tom Cross is the editor of La La Land, the new No Time to Die, the new 007 movie, and so much more. So he is at the top of his game, and he's teaching all of us, all of us here at uh, in Co-Creative Show and people that are part of MZ, he's teaching you his craft and he's working in the industry at a super high level. Like, that's what it's all about. In addition, you've got Vincent LaFerre, Shane Hurlbut, Philip Bloom, all sorts of great educators there on MZ. It is a fantastic website, and you guys should check it out for yourself. MZ Empowering Filmmakers. Check it out at gocreativeshow.com forward slash MZ, M-Z-E-D. Another thing that's important for producers, I mean, speaking for myself, and I, I'm curious if you agree, is in order to get your budgets really tight and accurate, you kind of have to know a little bit about all of these departments, like what things cost. You need to kind of have a baseline Mm -hmm. knowledge of what any decision a director or cinematographer comes up with, what it might cost. Or if you don't know, figure out how to find out. Not only do you need to know what things cost, like for example, how much a technocrane costs on a day, you know, to act, you know, on a daily job, how much does it cost? with the triple access head, you know, like you need to know the details of it. You need to know the function of it. A lot of times on bigger shows, I'll see like, they'll have an entire, like they'll carry a techno crane on the entire job. And in my mind, I'm like, well, if that producer, if that person like knew they didn't need that techno crane for four days, they could have saved a little bit of money and put more money into like people's kit rentals or, you know, 
fair, better wages or whatever it is. So it's like, just the more educated you are on the technical aspect of things, because sometimes producers come from a business background, which makes perfect sense because a lot of, of production is, and I didn't mention this before, and I do want to like derail to this important conversation is a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, producing and that role is dealing with clients and managing expectations of not only of the creative and the crews and the teams, but you're also the liaison and communicator with the client and, um, in and artists or, um, high profile talent or actors that happen to be in your project. You're the person that they're going to be communicating with, um, about, you know, certain things making sure their needs are met. Do they have a motorhome? Are their writer, is their writer up to, to par with what their expectations are? Are their deal memos signed? Are that, you know, like all of the details, um, in that relationship is a whole nother, a whole nother part of it. But the more, but the more technical you are and the more educated you are on how filmmaking is, because I come from a filmmaking background. So the more educated and technical, that you are about that. I've noticed how helpful it has been in my career to be able to really make sure that, that the quality of work, um, is matching the budget and matching the time that we have. I, I really, really enjoy having days that don't feel too long, um, experiences where people go home smiling and they're just happy that they were at work and where we make some really incredible art. And the creatives are happy and the client's like, wow, this was an incredible project. That is is how I measure success. I don't necessarily measure it by the quote, like, oh, I got so many awards, blah, 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 blah. I measure my success by um, a roundabout way of, did everyone feel emotionally positive leaving the set? Did, did contractually we deliver what we're supposed to? Financially, were we on budget? And do people feel like their, their needs have been met? And if everything like checks the box, then I'm like, whew, don't know how we pulled that off. <laughs> we are kindred spirits, Jamie. Honestly, like I, I, that is exactly what I feel and I put out there. And you mentioned something a little bit earlier about how you're, I, th- I, f- I forget if you phrased it, the head of hospitality yes. or something like that, the hospitality director family members that have no idea what I do and just, just doesn't make any sense when they ask me, I'm like, it's like, a, it's like, I'm a party planner. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm a, I, I run a hotel or I'm a party planner or something like that. That's basically what it is because I do feel like that. And it is important to make sure that your crews and your clients are feeling good on set. And it brings me to the next topic I wanted to discuss with you is if you have any thoughts on this recent potential IATSE strike, I guess they've had an authorization to strike and uh, not necessarily that I need your opinion on whether they should or not, but I think what it says is that there is, there is an unhappiness on set sometimes. And it comes from pushing your crew too far. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that's something that we have to deal with as producers in a unique way because you have the money side of things and you think, okay, I have X amount of hours in a day to do something, but then you also have the personal side of things where if you push your crew too hard, you just, people get cranky and angry and it just puts out bad vibes. So how do you deal with balancing that? That is something that I pride myself on and that is the one thing that I feel like I put the most focus and attention on as much as humanly possible. Um, 
I think that at the end of the day, if the people that are on your team are unhappy with you, they're not going to support you like you need. If the people on your team feel um, a level of discomfort, and I'm not talking like your typical key grip, sorry guys, you know I love you, who's like, ah, you know, that's part of the beauty. That's part of the beauty of their character, and I love that about about them. And and but we love our. But key like, if the, if they're trying to like, you know, if they're if they're struggling with something physically, or if they're they're just completely exhausted from being on set for so long, it's like you're not going to get. It's it's just like what's that phrase? Like, I don't know, like pulling teeth. It's like, it's exhausting. It's, it's, it's more of a conflict than it is when you, um, have people that feel inspired when people feel inspired and people feel well-rested and people feel, um, well-respected, then they're going to give you their 110%. And that's when you typically are like, Oh, we got a shorter day. You know, um, it's a sensitive thing to, um, to balance. And it's a lot of responsibility, emotionally responsibility. You know, sometimes you have to carry yourself because like I was saying earlier, it comes from the top. You have to carry yourself in a way that's like, I might be exhausted. I work 17 hours. If you're working 12, you know, I might be tired, but I have to carry that. Um, I have to be mindful of my energy and what I put out there when I'm on set not to project those things so that I can be a leader. And I truly believe that a leader isn't a boss. A leader is someone um, who serves. So for me and the way I carry my teams, that is how, that is my core value in what I do. And I don't know, I can't speak because I don't really have a lot of experience or education on, on working with other teams or how um, some of my colleagues might, might, uh, work, but that's just how I do it. So I don't know if I can say that all producers are this this great and do all these things. I don't, I have no idea what. (laughs) It's clearly not the case because otherwise there wouldn't be a threat of a strike and you wouldn't have people upset. I mean, it's just that I think it takes a special person and a certain personality to make people feel the way that you are saying that you're making people feel, or at least want that. I want to make people feel. Yeah, exactly. Now, I was okay. just going to say, like, it's, I do support, I don't, I'm not, I don't know the details of, of all the things because when they say it's, uh, against the producers, it's not against producers like myself or my colleagues. It's against the people that are on behalf of negotiating for the major picture studios. So that's the producers that they're talking about. I know that my crew, I've had conversations with my crew, like I support you and whatever it is that you need within reason of what is realistic within the current economy of the budgets and stuff that we do. And we are happy to make sure that our creatives try to align within those expectations so that there's not too much pressure and that, and that the, the scale doesn't tip one way or the other too much. That's the best that I can do balance. Yeah. And we, we did a whole episode on this, um, strike authorization and the reasons why. And so if you guys listening are interested, you can go to our website. It's the last episode. Um, we had Jim Deneau on talking about it. So we covered all of that. Um, so you have basically worked with everybody. I mean, I'm looking at your IMDb. It's unbelievable. Justin Bieber, uh, Megan the Stallion, Sean, um, Mendez, Cardi B, Gazelia, Nicki Minaj. It goes on and on and on doing music videos. 
But you said that you come from a filmmaking background and you have some commercial and film work on your reel as well. So when you're doing something like Halsey's, you know, film video, I guess who even knows what to call it. Um, are you, is the approach more typical to a music video or more typical to a film? And I'm also curious, what are the differences? I would say that the way that we go about approaching a project like this is, is more so along the lines of a film in terms of like the way we have to schedule things out is so vastly different where a music video or a commercial is a one day, um, project. Um, this is, you know, you might shoot one day and then, you know, the first three pages, and then you might go back and shoot the second day is like, the character is already feeling this heavy emotion and so much has happened in the timeline of the story. So you have to be more organized, more structured. Um, it's more along the lines of the way that I would, you know, plan and produce a film, um, a little bit more prep in terms of something that's longer and feature length. Um, I think it's really comes down to the prep. Yeah. The prep processes is a lot more intense and a, and a lot different in terms of music videos. I feel like the approach that we do is like a big, one day on a Michael Bay film set, we always have some sort of explosions or helicopters or horses or some wild stunts on, on wireworks or something crazy. So I think that, I'm so grateful for all of my music video experience because it really allowed me to play with the tools and the so many different things that really set you up for those bigger shows like the the Halsey film that we did. You know, because of all of that experience and and music videos and all the like wild things that we've done on those day-to-day projects, I was able to really understand how much everything costs, put it together, and it's just a matter of prep time, I think, is the difference. That's really not much different. The budget budget templates are different. I can imagine. What 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 is like a typical schedule for a large-scale music video? Not like Halsey's film, but something like you're working with somebody like a Justin Bieber, like a, a huge name. They have a music video coming out. What's the typical schedule for something like that? Uh, one day, two, one to two day shoots. Yeah. Really? That sort of surprises me. I just assume larger budget, bigger star, you just have more time. It's actually, I'm actually kind of surprised to hear no, that. No, um, we have a really good um, way of structuring our shows. Most of them are videos. Most of them are one day shoots. They're not like crazy, crazy, crazy 16, 18 hours. Um We've, we've done a couple of 14 hour days and here and there, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, we try to keep them similar, slim down. A lot of times we do two units. Um, if there's a lot to accomplish. Um, and when we work with, when I work with Colin, particularly he's knows his vision, knows what he wants and he's very, um, functional. And I think because the crew is so in line with each other, and they're so familiar with each other. We, we tend to use a lot of the same crew members that it's, it's just like clockwork in the terms of how the pacing goes. Um, so as long as the artist is on time, is that, we're great. 
Is that a problem usually? Not lately. Not lately. Everyone's been very professional. It's it's funny that there that there's that the producers are hoping that people show up on time. Like the st- hope you hope that the star shows up on time. I've heard that multiple times. I I have very little experience with celebrity talent, but um, I, you you the little that I have, you are kind of building in time when you're like, all right, well they probably won't show up at this time. So what can we do in the meantime while mm-hmm. we wait? It's funny to hear that even at you know, the level that you're working at, it's the same. Well, you tend to learn, you know, when you work with the same people over and over, you kind of tend to learn their daily schedule. So that's why you do, you are like, okay, well, this person likes to, they don't like to have, you know, their call time until after one o'clock. So we're going to make sure that we plan our creative and schedule around them showing up around that time. You know, like it's just kind of like that. And we also do a lot of like day for night stuff and night for day stuff. Um, because, you know, you only have so much time in one day. Yeah, exactly. So is that one shoot day with the talent and then you grab other shots? Or is that just truly the whole thing is done in a day? Most of our shoots are one day shoots. That's amazing to me. I'm I'm shocked by that. Um, but I guess it's just a testament to how well crafted these shoot days are and how tight your it's productions are. Structure. I'm telling you, structure is equally as important as creativity. <laughs> well, with that, you must have a pretty robust like previs process or storyboarding process. Are you are you doing any work ahead of time to really define the exact shots that you want? Sometimes. Most of the time we do a lot of planning, but we don't typically do storyboards for music videos. Sometimes if it's very technical, we do. Um, Mm. But we always put together a treatment. I'm curious what the most challenging music video was for you. Was there one that you just thought you hit that point and you, you, you know, you're at the midway point, you're at lunch break and you're thinking to yourself, oh my God, this is never going to (laughs) happen. This is just not going to happen. But then it does. There's a few (laughs) for different reasons, (laughs) but not anything lately. I think, I think the, um, Cardi B WAP video is probably quite challenging just because it was the first production ever back from COVID. We were the, we were the test dummies. Mm Um, they were like, oh, if these music video people can pull it off, you know, great. And if not, then we'll just attack them for their fails, their failure. Um, (laughs) so it was a lot of pressure from the city. It was a lot of pressure from the unions kind of having eyes on us, curious what we're doing. A lot of pressure from our colleagues, um, the label, you know, the insurance companies didn't support any, like it was a massive risk to, at that time, like there was no COVID contingencies, you know, um, there was uh, a lot of people on set. It wasn't a simple treatment. It was hundreds of people putting that together. Um, so it was, you know, that was a two day shoot. Um, and you know, just the challenge of the, of the, of the health aspect to it, that was a new area. You know, I went to a few different trial studies before that worked closely with the company, read a lot of paperwork on, how it works and how accurate testing is and um, talking to the crew about quarantining, which was really unfortunate in so many ways. We all kind of felt like trapped except for our little bubble. Um, 
you know, it was just a, it was a challenging time for the entire world. I think that in our specific industry, being the first was exciting and challenging. And I think that was one where we were like, are we going to pull this off? You know, we also had multiple, um, A-list artists. And at the time, not everyone even believed in COVID, you know? So it was just like, sorry if you don't believe in it, but you have to be tested if you're going to come to set, you know? It was kind of like, there's so many um, questions up in the air, so many uh, doubts, so many, so much money on the line at risk. Um, And you're setting the pace for success, the future for, yeah. Like if, like you said, if you failed, it would be used as an example of why it's not the time to start producing again or, or whatever it may be. Um, I want to talk about the music video industry in and of itself. And if you see that there's mobility within that industry, meaning do you, do people get pigeonholed into music video production and find it difficult to transition to film or transition to commercial? Or do you feel it's the opposite? Is it more of a breeding ground for new creatives because you can test out new ideas, learn new things and apply it to feature films or wherever, wherever you may go? Well, I know that there's a stigma of music videos in my industry. And when I speak with other like, you know, uh, like television execs or people like showrunners or studios, they're all like, enough about your music videos. Tell me about the films that you've done. And it's like, and it's like, yeah, I can understand why you think that the films I've done might be quite more challenging, but when you work on a music video, it is, hardly any prep, you know, you are given wild ideas. Um, you have that star, um, client that is not always on every film. You know, they're not like actors, actors like are trained actors. They're no, they know to show up on set at their call time and stuff like that. Artists in the music industry, this is like their commercial for their brand. So they're going to come when they want to come. They don't understand how filmmaking works the way that they might process or understand how um, music works. Uh, So they don't quite understand the details of that time is money. And this is your budget that's coming out of your your deal for your your record deal. So you want to make sure you stay on budget and on time. They don't think about those things. They have that star-like quality and... And they do have that starlight quality and it is their commercial and their brand. So you have to be mindful of like feeding those needs at the same time, you know, you have that struggle. And then the element of all the wild things that we do just like visually and the things that we uh, achieve um, cinematically are quite complicated. Like uh, we design, you know, when we work with um, uh, uh, the, the, what's it called? The Cobra? It's the, the remote head. When we work with remote control, when we work with like stuff like that, like you have to like plan and calculate the angles down to the T and you have to have like a prep data, like really nail all that stuff in. And a lot of times like you're on a movie, you don't ever work with, you know, those. So it's like the experience that you get on a music video, it's like big time, like work, uh, production, small budgets, no prep. And you have to do it all in one day. So when you can achieve all of those different things, I think that is the most incredible breeding grounds for creativity because you are extremely challenged on a music video. 
So if you can pull a music video off and you can have a smooth shoot where everyone feels good and you're on budget and on time and you make these incredible visuals, then I'm going to be like, okay, let's take you on my, on my next film. That's what I would think, you know? I, I think that makes sense. And I think you have to have a you have to have a, an appreciation for the art form yes. first in order to even acknowledge it. Um, I mean, just I grew up with music videos. I'm a big fan of them. I like it. Um, and I think that's why, you know, people like me and you and, you know, people watching the show now will see music videos as a place for creative expression more so than maybe films because it's short. It's quick, less prep, different sets of challenges, and the ideas are more wild. They just are. We do like to incorporate in a lot of our music videos narrative um, themes and and stories, storylines, like strong storylines. The um, we just did a video comes out today, comes out tomorrow, but we released the trailer with um, with Justin Bieber, Bieber and Diane Keaton. So oh, yeah, nice. so we you know. That's, that's going to be a beautiful story to watch. So I can imagine that artists want to use their music video as an opportunity to certainly, you know, enforce their brand, but also show themselves on screen to potentially get some acting. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it's the perfect canvas to do that on. Yeah. If that's their goal after, you know, their album deals are done or when they're like, I want to retire from music, if they want to be an actor that's like a great great reel oh my god i mean i can only imagine that um halsey must have been thinking about that when you were filming if i can't have love i want power that she you know is she's not singing like you mentioned earlier so it's not really a music video there's no there's not there's no real dialogue necessarily but she's certainly acting she's portraying a character she's showing her chops on camera and i think that can only lead to more acting gigs if she she's wants She's an incredible it. actress, actor. She's an incredible actor. She's an incredible makeup artist. She's an incredible singer. She's an incredible just all-around artist. And I, like, if she wants to do that, she, I have no doubt that she will pull that off, like, tomorrow. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> exactly. I've got, um, I just have one last question as we wrap up here. You've been so fun to talk to. My God, what a, you're, you're great on the air. You're a great oh, guest. Thank you. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so I've got one last question. We've got a lot of young filmmakers in the audience that are just starting out. Um, for the ones that really love the art form of music video, they really want to get into it. Do you have any advice? Like maybe what are the skills they should hone? What kinds of groups should they join? Like how do you get into this industry? Allow yourself to be on set, even if you're a PA running and getting coffee. Like, you, like, humility goes so far. If you're humble and hardworking and maybe you show me a reel and it's not that good, I'm still going to hire you. I'm going to show you what you can do. And I'm going to give you all the tools that I can if you are a good natured person and diligent and willing to grow. Um, I don't expect perfectionism, especially when you're just starting out, you're not going to be perfect. This is a learning experience and you're going to fail and that's how you're going to grow. So just don't be afraid of failure. Get yourself out there, take risks, um, get yourself on set. That is the best education you can do. And how do you do that? Like how do, how do people get themselves on your sets? Well, I, 
I mean, reach out to our, a lot of times it's our production managers that do the hiring of like the PAs and the, um, the AD team, start connecting, find people who are first ADs on Instagram and DM them like, Hey, if you ever need a PA, let me know. Um, find a first AC is like, Hey, if you ever need a camera intern, let me know. Um, you know, let like, just like, that's how I get PAs. I mean, people reach out to me on Instagram. They reach out on the website and they're, it's just, I appreciate the hustle. So I'm like, hell yeah. If someone's putting in the effort to like, Mm -hmm. you know, go out there and just be honest about what they're looking for. Um, that's, I mean, that's how I get all my PAs. And then once you get your foot in the door, if you do a good job, word of mouth goes far. Like, oh yeah, it's, it's word of mouth is everything. So so there you go. Some good advice from, from Jamie, who's working at a super high level here. And, um, you know, we just threw a couple names of projects that you've worked on. We dropped a few names there, but I really encourage you guys go to the websites. And now I know you said you have your own personal website, but, and I'll put a link to this in the show notes, of course, um, Jamie Ranta, J-A-M-E-E-R-A-N-T-A.com. But I also want to plug your production company's website as well. Um, so Tell us about that. There's two. I work with Boy in the Castle. I'm partnered with Colin Tilly for that. Um, and that's just jobs with Colin. And then I have Artifact Content, which is a list of other directors that I work with and also photographers. I really enjoy editorial and still projects. So pictures worth a thousand words. <laughs> and I was scanning through your editorial work on your site and it's just it's awesome. And you even said you had your site is not as updated as you'd like it to be. Basically, like ev- that's everyone's situation. But really nice work here. And I'm just a fan of your work. I'm a fan of you. You're great on the air. Great information. And I'm so very thankful that you came on. And I'll put a link to all of this stuff Thank in the you. show notes so you guys can check it out for sure. But we're here to talk about the Halsey film. And you can see it right now on HBO Max. It is called If I Can't Have Love, I Want Power, and it's awesome. So go and check it out. It's an hour-long about, hour-long yeah. film, and um, just unique and fun and interesting and great, and it's just, you guys are going to love it. It's dark. It's, I mean, it's everything you want. So go check it out there at HBO uh, Max. So, Jamie, thank you so much for joining thank us today. Thank you for having me. All right, I want to thank Jamie Ranta for coming on the show, talking to us all about her latest project, Halsey's Music Film, I guess we'll call it. It's a film, and it's music video at the same time. And uh, it's called If I Can't Have Love, I Want Power. It's available on HBO Max right now, so check it out for yourself. Of course, I also want you to check out our producer, Connor Crosby, because he's fantastic. You can find him at ignitionvisuals.com. And Dave Siegel over at seagullsound.com. He mixes and masters and makes makes the show sound so good. So you can check him out there at his site and hire him for your own projects. Of course, you can also check me out at Ben Consoli on Instagram and Twitter. And all things Go Creative Show at gocreativeshow.com. Of course, we want to encourage you to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Search for us on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. Thank you for joining us today, and we will see you next time on another episode of the Go Creative Show, a podcast for filmmakers.